to the Liz Callaway Show. She's a one of a kind, and she's only found here. The new conservative alternative. Talk 94.5. Finally, you can start waking up on the right side of the bed again. Good morning and welcome to the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers. It's Thursday morning, April 28th. It's time for... Now, it's the Columbia Check-In with Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers on Talk 94.5. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Good morning, Liz. How's everybody doing this week? Oh, we're, we're hanging in there. We're hanging in there. We had a lot of shootings going on in this area. We're not happy about it. Well, that is not... That is not a good thing at, at all, and you know, I, I think we need to, uh, we need to up our police force. I don't know how we do that. How do we attract more people? You know, mm-hmm. we have a shortage, just like we do with teachers and everything else. Yeah. And and how do we get how do we get more people wanting to come back in law enforcement? You know, I I say kudos to the General Assembly for making it easier. You know, they're they're actually trying to attract some of our talent back into the police force. You know, after 25 years, they can retire. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of a lot of law enforcement officers that, you know, could still work and still want to work, but because of pension restrictions, they couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So we passed some legislation this year to make it easier for them to come back, so they wouldn't be penalized when they want to come back to work. I think that will go a long way in helping. Uh, governor came out with a message saying he believes we need to crack down on illegal gun ownership. Gun ownership um, that is, you know, different crimes. If if you're a felon and you find you have a weapon, or you know, things like that. Um, yeah. You know, we just have to make good common sense decisions, right? Where yeah. In fact, you content? that was a, a statement that had uh, come out from uh, Governor Henry McMaster. Is that what you're referring to about um, stricter penalties? It says here, if the plan is passed, first time offenders um, of illegal gun possession would face misdemeanor charges carrying penalties of at least $1,000 in fines and between one to five years in jail. Second time offenders, uh, two to five years, $5,000 in fines. Right now it's up to a year in prison and a $1,000 fine. So, exactly. uh, yeah. And there's just like, um, you know, I, I don't know why um, this young uh, football player from South Florence High School was shot dead down uh, on the streets in the city of Myrtle Beach um, over the weekend. Someone uh, said that there was a group that was just firing indiscriminately into a crowd of young people there, and he was just at the wrong place um, at the wrong time. And, uh, you know, when you when you talk about why these young people are carrying these guns, you know, and shooting them like that, it has a lot to do with, we, we've heard, uh, you know, upbringing, uh, drug problems, gang problems, uh, you know, and now we're hearing that there was a county in South Carolina, I think it's called Oconee. Oh, I don't know how to say it, but Oconee, yeah, yeah. Oconee County, Oconee County, and um, the, for the first time, uh, there's another type of a synthetic opioid drug bl- being blamed, a new kind being blamed for three deaths. And when I looked it up, this is happening all across the nation. This new synthetic opioid, uh, opioid is now killing people. It's worse than fentanyl, they're saying. Um, this problem of drugs and gangs, it, 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 it is the, the main source of the violence here. You're absolutely right. And I think strict law enforcement, more law enforcement, more police presence, you know, in other states, you can look at it and say, 
wow, they need to back their police. I mean, there is not a state where mm-hmm. citizens and leadership back the law, law enforcement more than we do here in South Carolina, that's for sure. But we need more of them. We need presence yeah. for them. You know, the governor, uh, we had a press conference probably about a month ago on the state house steps with uh, the director of administration, with Chief Keel, with the House and the Senate, because we need to, we're, we're upping our wages for our law enforcement. You know, the governor said, listen, uh, Department of Admin, Marsha Adams, I want you to go and do a comprehensive look. Tell me what is the, what is the going rate for state law enforcement? We want to make sure that we're paying our people um, the best we can, the top tier, because safety is the number one issue when people are looking to move, when businesses are looking to move to a state. People want to feel safe. And, and feeling safe when you have to lock everything you own up, I mean, don't get me started on why, mm-hmm. like, the Washington, D.C. police are saying, leave your car doors open yeah. and your trunk open so people can ransack your car without breaking your windows. Seriously? I mean, yeah. Have we wow. dropped the bar that low <laughs> that we're saying we're giving up? You know, that's what it sounds like yeah. to me. Like, we're giving up. Like, leave your doors open, Liz. If somebody wants to walk in your house and take all your stuff, just let them. You know, I mean, that's. Sounds like we're giving up, and we're not doing that in well, South Carolina. Well, we, we so. just had an armed robbery at the Dick's Pawn Shop parking lot on Joe White Avenue. Uh, Three o'clock in the afternoon, someone walking from the store to their car. And that's and that is the real problem. When you start to go soft on crime, then you, you know what is your deterrent for not doing that? In this, I want it, you have it, so I'm going to take it. Society. Mm-hmm. We have to get tougher on crime. It's it's like the governor was saying, our sentences have to get more severe. We have to, you know, have a bigger police presence. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to make sure that people feel safe. I mean, it was uh, I'm not interesting the way the news um, put it, you know, from the police report, they said when there was that big shooting where three people ended up dead and a fourth uh, young man, 17-year-old football star, ended up dying. They said he was, uh, it was an unprovoked, you know, he just happened to be there when the shooting went ha- happened. Uh, the police, <laughs> the, they say, uh, the police chief said in city of Myrtle Beach, oh, well, the police were just 100 yards away and they were there in 30 seconds. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, it's like, and, and then the, the chief said, well, it's, it's a parenting problem. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's a parenting problem. I mean, it seems like when you're passing the blame that you're not paying attention to the problem, really. You're just looking to point fingers. And to me, that was a very wrong thing to say. How can you blame the parents? Uh, you know, I mean, yes, there's a hand of everybody, but we these people aren't even from our community. They're here on vacation or maybe they're here day tripping or maybe they're uh, some people are here to gang issues. And they she said um, people from out of town brought their issues here and they're battling it on the streets here. Well, with all the cameras we have here, you would think that people would get the message that you're going to get caught. And they did get caught quickly. But and it's Liz, not look, deterring. Look. It's not deterring them from coming here and, and doing what they do. Well, let's talk about judges, right? It's, it's a topic that's come up a lot. We need judges and prosecutors. You know, from what I, you know, when, when we get briefed, when I'm with RLGA, we get briefed on crime and things like that. I was shocked to see how many people, by the time you get finally arrested for something, that something hasn't been pled down, that you finally go to jail, you're on your, like, fourth offense. 
But your record doesn't really show that, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we have to start getting, right. we have to start helping our law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when they arrest somebody for selling drugs, don't plead that down yes. to simple possession. I say like, that all the time. What you, yeah, if that's what you got caught for, because when you have the left talking about expunging records mm-hmm. and allowing people to um, get out of get a get out of jail free card, ninety percent of the time that's not even what they were arrested for. Mm-hmm. They have pled that down. I think that's the piece that people don't talk about is that we have to make sure that when police do their job and they arrest them, then we have to make sure our prosecutors are prosecuting them. We have to make sure that judges are keeping them accountable. Look at this new Supreme Court justice. What was the one big complaint everybody had about her Mm -hmm. is that she let pedophiles out with basically a slap on the hand Mm -hmm. for hurting our children. Yeah, that's not acceptable. And I think good judges are key. Well, um, judges you know, have to follow the law. I mean, the the one of the biggest points and, and to your point, the person that was charged with the murder of this young man. Right. He was charged with murder, possession of a weapon during crime. But the person driving away the criminals. Right. That were involved. He just got accessory after the fact. What happened to everybody gets charged with murder? There was a thing when you're perpetrating a crime and someone ends up dead, everybody involved in perpetrating the crime is then charged with that murder. What happened to that? Why is this person charged with accessory after the fact? He's driving away. He's driving. He's driving the getaway car, throwing the evidence out of the vehicle. Yeah, you are right. I mean, we, we had it right here on Easter weekend in Columbia at Columbia Mall. I mean, you yes, had that's right. somebody that opened up, fired a weapon inside a mall where you had, you know, children and elderly and people who couldn't really move quickly to get out of the way. Right. Mm-hmm. That, could have, we could, that could have been a terrible situation. But you had a judge let that person out. Now, I don't know all the facts on the case. Right. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's it's an investigation. That's well, they were ongoing. saying that person was shooting in self-defense. <laughs> okay, but okay, in a mall with people. I mean, I, I mean, that is not yeah acceptable. But to get let out with an ankle bracelet and basically a twenty-five thousand dollar bond and which, go back to work and go back to. I mean, how would you feel? I, I don't know if I'd feel good that that guy was Mm-mm. in the same office. You talk about being in a cubicle. I heard you. <laughs> you better be in a cubicle with that. You'd be. Yeah. Hey, you well, know? as long as you don't work at the mall, I think you'd be all right. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, or nobody starts shooting in your office, right? Yeah. I'm telling you, um, I'm just, you know, we had another shooting where a man ended up dead down in Merle's Inlet. Uh, three people shot. I mean, it's just been, you know, it's been crazy. Uh, and very upsetting. And, and of course, today the flags are fi- flying half staff as per uh, our governor, Henry McMaster, because of a police officer in KC, uh, South Carolina. We talked about this earlier. Now they're saying the death of um, Officer Roy Drew Barr, only 27 years old, who was killed instantly from a single shot fired from a rifle in a second floor of a KC home where he was responding to a domestic violence call. They're saying that it was calculated, it was planned, and he was murdered. I mean, that is so sad. A life taken so young mm. 
for for no reason. I mean, they say domestic showing up to violence help. calls. Yeah, domestic violence calls. I mean, this this look at just here in our state. How many police have been killed and injured responding to domestic violence calls? Right. We have got to get tougher. But you know, I was asked, Liz. This is a pretty great segue into this. I was talking at a college, and I was asked a question by a student that basically said, "What are what is the governor and I? What are we going to do?" about domestic violence in our state because we're rated so high. And I, I thought about it for a second. I said, well, what would you have us do, right? We already have laws that say that this is not legal. Mm-hmm. This is a societal issue. Until you and I and everybody else that sees domestic violence happening decides to inject ourselves, pull that person out of the situation, take him to law enforcement, give him a landing pad, get him out of the situation, how do we stop it? You know, the, you know, law enforcement can't force somebody to come out of that situation and report it. They, you know, they're limited. Their hands are tied. But we as a society have to all come into this fight when we see it happening in our friend group and our families. Mm-hmm. Only society can change that. We already have the laws in place to prosecute it, right? The police obviously show up to every call. We need judges. We need prosecutors, and we need the community to come together to stop that. Well, we need the policymakers to, you know, to you know, like you said, we have the laws in place. But if sometimes in some of these cases with these domestic violence, and I know they've done a lot of work. I know uh, our attorney general, Alan Wilson, I've talked to him numerous times over the years about adding teeth to these things. Um, and so, and like you said, it's a societal problem. And I, I think when you, when you work it all back, um, Lieutenant Governor, it, a lot has to fall into alcohol, you know, drugs, it's destroying families. It's making people out of control. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of stresses on people. They can't handle it. And they, this is, uh, what they do to, to think that they're trying to cope with these problems. And, you know, uh, now they're looking at, um, making, uh, horse race betting, you know, uh, alcohol delivery to homes. I mean, these are anti-societal things that, I, I mean, I just feel, I mean, I, we're not supposed to legislate morality, I guess, but why would we encourage it? <laughs> you know, I don't get well, it. These well, things I don't like. You're absolutely right. But, and let's go back to your initial comment where people are talking about things at the border, right? The Biden administration, they, they are, have a lot of this on their hands. By keeping that border open, you can talk oh, to yeah. any law enforcement officer. You can talk to Chief Keel. We have an amazing... Um, Sled director Chief Keel is our, you know, our, our our highest law enforcement officer, state law enforcement officer in the state, and he will tell you the amount of fentanyl that they are we are catching now since the Biden administration took mm-hmm. office, since we opened the borders wide open, is off the charts, mm-hmm. and that is the reason. So when we talk about the epidemic, and I think you and I have talked about this, we talk about COVID being an epidemic. Yeah. Fentanyl streaming in our borders, killing our children, killing our citizens. That's the epidemic. Yeah, I think that's more people have been be killed by that. Opioids. Than COVID. Or not exactly. opioids, but drug overdoses. Yeah. Exactly. So that, I mean, and we're never going to be able to control the amount of fentanyl until we start controlling our borders. And that's one thing people should all be talking about. You know, it, 
you know, it, when I say that, we're blessed to live in a red state mm-hmm. where we have the people we send to D.C., you know, they're Republican. They are fighting to try to close our borders. You know, I mean, look at Title 42. I mean, that's what people keep talking about. Like, if that doesn't get extended, that just opens our borders to a whole new degree. Yeah. We I mean, look at, it's already increasing every month over month. Oh, yeah. So even with 42 in place, Title 8, uh, the Remain in Mexico policy is supposed to be reinstated and it's not. And I mean, I don't know what's going on over there. Um, you know, there are people that are dying trying to get into this. We had the National um, Guardsmen who died trying to save two drug traffickers in the Rio Grande. It, it doesn't, uh, It none of it is, none of it makes sense. And then when you listen to the uh, the Health and Human Services uh, Director Mayorkas yesterday, I mean, just say that it's it's not that bad, you know? Like, we're handling it, you know? And it, it's just mind-boggling. Like, do they ever go down there and and see what's happening? They don't go down there. Yeah. I mean, our governor has been down there, but, uh, you know, our czar, our border czar, she's not been down there. <laughs> no. The president's not been down there. You know, th- that is the problem, is this is this is what people should be outraged. And, and I know we are all Trump supporters, and we love President Trump. And but he did if he did one thing, he made everybody look at the media. It's propaganda. We talk about the propaganda that's happening in Russia and what they're allowing their people Mm -hmm. to see and and what a travesty and what an outrage it is. Shame on us because we have the same thing going Mm -hmm. on. We have the media putting what they want out front Mm -hmm. and 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 people just are we, we I don't know how. In a few generations, we've just come to believe what we see, believe what we read, because my grandparents, which I talk about all the time, and, and I say this to my kids, my grandparents came here from Poland. English was a second language. They jumped into the American dream. They worked, they worked like dogs, right, to have a home and raise their children, never took a dime from anybody. But I'll tell you, Liz, you couldn't have tricked them out of a penny. Mm. If it didn't make sense, they didn't buy it. They weren't buying anything that you were selling that they thought was, you couldn't do it. How have we, how have we now become this gullible society Mm -hmm. where people can call your house and trick you into giving you all their personal information and money from your bank account when literally just two generations in my world like you couldn't yeah. have got anything you couldn't have got a dime out of my parents either right. but but my grandparents would be considered vulnerable right because mm-hmm. they were immigrants and they could have been easily tricked but they weren't because they had common sense <laughs> and you couldn't I... <laughs> sell them a bag of goods for nothing oh gosh i i know well we just we saw what's been happening with um covid and what dr fauci's been doing to <laughs> to people. Um, but that's a whole nother ball game. And, um, and I agree with you. I, I don't know what's happened. I don't know why we believe what we're saying. And, and I always say the same thing you say. If the one, the biggest contribution Trump made was the fact that he revealed who the press really was to swaths of people that were gullible and just believing it. Um, but uh, you know what? I don't want to run out of time. 
I want I need to ask you this question um, because I know this is important to you, the election integrity bill. Um, they had a routine vote, I think, last week on this election integrity bill. Now it has passed both chambers, but it's in jeopardy. I was reading here because of a major disagreement between Republican leaders in the state's legislative and executive branches. Election reform bill 4919. Can you explain what the or do you know of what uh, the major disagreement is? Oh, I do. So um, the House, along with the executive branch, along with the SCGOP, came together and said, we need election reform. Mm -hmm. Everybody was on board past the House. I mean, th- these are big initiatives. It's mm-hmm. banning drop boxes. It's reducing the reasons you can absentee ballot. It's including your Social Security number. I mean, these are things people want. Stopping ballot harvesting, stopping third-party donations into districts, right? Getting continuity. So the, it got before the Senate. Everybody was behind it. And, you know, Senate Leader Shane Massey stepped up to the well and basically said, uh, No, the Senate wants to um, confirm all nominations to the state election board. Hmm. So so everybody came together, the House, the GOP, and they said, let's make a compromise. We'll give you um, consent to the director. Right? Mm -hmm. That's what you do. That's That's what our system is supposed to do. It's come to the table. We're all Republicans. Let's come up to a compromise. And basically, majority leader said, no, we're not going to do it. We'd rather kill the bill. We Take this as it is. We would rather kill election integrity than come up with a compromise. And um, they basically played chicken with the bill, which is a horrible thing to do. When it went back to the House, they put it in subcommittee. We're going into an important election. Wow. I mean, this is an election year. And he would, re- it, 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 it's very sad to me. And the governor came out and said, you know, only nine senators chose to do the right thing and get election integrity passed. That it wasn't about themselves. This wasn't about the Senate grabbing power. This was about election integrity. Nine Republicans stood together. One Democrat actually stood with them. And the rest, followed Majority Leader Massey and basically took the poison pill to that bill. And it's very, the people of South Carolina, this is a Republican state, and we need to ensure election integrity. It's what we've been, people have been talking about for a long time. So call your senators. Um, You you guys, you have some senators in Horry County that voted along with uh, Majority Leader Massey Hmm. and tell them you want election integrity passed. Take the compromise and let's get this done. Wow. Seems like we have to do some work on that. We have to look up what that really is. So um, do you know what the next date is? So So basically, we're coming down to the end of the line, right? Mm -hmm. Session is about to close. May, what, 12th or 13th or something? I mean, it has to be done quickly. I think, uh, you know, House House Republicans want this bill passed. When you look at this, Liz, the executive branch... Uh, House Republicans, the SCGOP, have all worked on this bill. The Senate knew how important this bill was for the people of South Carolina, and they allowed it to be killed against the wishes of everybody. So I I, I don't understand it, 
but I stand with the governor and everybody else on this. Uh, compromise is what this process is all about. Mm-hmm. And everybody came into the table with a good compromise. You know, wow. You I, know, I, I, Majority I read- Leader Massey just said, okay. Wow. We're going to play chicken with the bill, and I think that's a very sad thing. We have a texter on the PCRXcomputers.com text line, Nikki. We've got a couple that ask the same question almost at the same time. Who are our local senators? Do you happen to know offhand? So you have Senator Rankin, Goldfinch. Those are your local. I can tell you the nine that voted for the compromise was Adams, Fanning, Loftus, Clymer, Johnson, Rickenbach, Davis, Kimbrell and Sheely, they mm-hmm. all voted to do a compromise um, to make sure that election integrity got passed. The House, along with uh, the executive branch, along with the GOP, who helped fight when we had drop box suits coming in during the presidential election, all came together and said these were all the things we had to fight in court. The attorney general's office was involved, everybody fighting for to make sure that South Carolina didn't turn into a Pennsylvania or a Nevada mm-hmm. where we had problems, fought those fights. They came in and wrote a very tough bill. And, and you know, even we, t- we heard, you know, about, you know, the, the state election commission, the board, not the chairperson. The chairperson people had a lot of issues with, but the board when, I mean, actually fought to have that suit go in South Carolina's favor. So, you know, everybody pulled together to come up with this bill to stop all the things we had to fight in court and to make sure it became law in South Carolina. This is important. This isn't something you play chicken with. Wow. All right. Well, I'm definitely going to follow this better because I I didn't know that happened uh, last week. So thank you for bringing that to our attention. And if people uh, want to express their views, uh, there is just a little bit more time left. But but as I was reading here um, while we're talking, I'm seeing that it may not be in time to get it in place for the primary. And and that is it is isn't that a shame? Yeah. It's big time. We, we, we've, got to, we've got to do a better job at working together. We, it's like you and I talk about all the time, Liz. We are, we are all fighting the same fight. We all want the same things. Compromise is good. Mm-hmm. You know, in business, nobody walks away 100% happy in a good deal, and nobody walks 100% away 100% sad. Yeah. That's what we need to start happening. The Senate can't get the full win and everybody else take it on the chin. Compromise is what pushes things along and makes a well-run state. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I have to read more about that. That that is uh, that's an interesting topic. All right. Well, it's never a dull moment. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, well, you so much. Keep cut. Keep fighting the good fight. Now, everybody, have a great weekend. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett. Thank you. Bye, Liz. Liz Calloway and Nick Summers will be back in a few on Talk 94.5.